people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. We're still here in Palm Springs. Welcome to Kidney Talk. I'm so excited to still be here. Really? Yes. And today we're going to be talking about something that everybody needs to know about. What? How to barbecue a rib? Yes, out by the pool. But no, people need to understand that chronic kidney disease is an epidemic. And they need to understand the awareness signs. I mean, my kidney failure was caused from E. coli bacteria. But so how did you how did you learn you had kidney disease? Well, you know, um, I was told that I had a slow progression, and of course, I treated it like, oh, yeah, sure. Sure, you know? I don't and progress then, in anything. No, and mine was a very slow progression, and it just kept creeping up and creeping up my creatinine. And then I was over in Europe doing a picture, and uh, it got really bad. And then when I got home, they said, "Well, you're at eight, so." got to go on dialysis. So. Wow, that, that moment's so frightening when you hear those words. You need to go on dialysis. So today we're here with Dr. Roberto Vargas. Oh, he's I, from UCLA. I love Dr. Roberto yeah. Vargas. And uh, he's a general internist, and he's really working on how to prevent chronic kidney disease and help the community know. And so he's going to tell us about all the things that the community is doing to help prevent or delay chronic kidney disease. And, and he's a general internist because so he knows everything about everything. <laughs> yes, that's what general means, right? Right. I mean, he doesn't specialize in anything because he's smarter than that. He knows how to make more money because he can treat everybody. What's the secret ingredient for delicious yet healthier meals? Why, Mrs. Dad's seasoning blends, of course. The 12 varieties of Mrs. Dash are all made up with a unique blend of 14 natural herbs and spices to make side dishes snap, potato pop, and dinner days unbelievable. And since Mrs. Dash has always been salt-free with no MSG, you can create great-tasting meals full of only one thing, mouth-watering flavor. Here's an easy-to-make healthy recipe idea. Coat some boneless chicken breast in a mixture of Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, and Mrs. Dash Original Blend. Saute in extra virgin olive oil until done. Then give a small squeeze of fresh lemon juice and serve over your favorite pasta. Doesn't that sound good? Well, for more information, visit MrsDash.com. Mrs. Dash, salt-free, flavorful. Dr. Vargas, we're so happy you're here. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this subject. 
Uh, well, uh, I'm a general internist, as you guys mentioned earlier, but I also spend a lot of my time doing research, um, public health research and health services research and policy analysis. Uh, and in our office at UCLA and at the Rand Corporation, part of what we're doing is working with the Charles Drew University in the Comprehensive Center for Health Disparities and Chronic Kidney Disease. Wow, uh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. What the target and the goal of that center is, is to help educate people as well as to develop new interventions and technologies that might help prevent people from developing kidney disease. And for those people who have developed it to make sure they have the best outcomes. And you know, so many people don't know that they have it because they are so unaware of the warning signs. And because a lot of diabetics have it, a lot of the warning signs for diabetes are the same as kidney disease, like fatigue and headaches and stuff like that. What's even more important is that we really need to diagnose kidney disease before warning signs. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know the warning signs because that's a sign that you've gone on too long. But more people you know, have kidney disease without warning signs and without symptoms than people who actually do have the later stages of disease that actually cause symptoms. And so it's really important that you know your risk factors and that you get tested early so that we can diagnose you before you have any symptoms. So if you go in for a physical, do you say to your doctor, could you add a uh, renal panel test to see if I have kidney disease? Yes, you can do that. You know, currently the, the recommendations in terms of screening and what the National Kidney Foundation does with their KEEP, which is a kidney early evaluation program, is more of a targeted disease detection program as opposed to screening. And now these are sometimes just semantics because you know some people feel testing everybody in the country for kidney disease wouldn't be cost efficient. But at the same time, knowing that if you're at risk because a family member has kidney disease, if you have diabetes or hypertension, um, or you know uh, if you have signs or symptoms, or if you're somebody who's at risk uh, for other reasons, then you need to know what your kidney disease status is. And so right now there's not a national screening initiative for kidney disease, but particularly people with diabetes and hypertension, yeah, they definitely. should actually be checked every year. Right. And if you have a family history, it should be checked every year. Yeah, so those, those three, yes, 70% of the people whose kidneys fail roughly uh, have it due to diabetes and hypertension. But there's also that other 30% who have it for other causes. And so when we talk about other diseases, things like... polycystic like, kidney disease is a genetic disease. Exactly. So that's something that if someone in your family has it, you should be checked regularly. But there are other diseases that we call systemic diseases, like lupus. Like autoimmune things, diseases. Exactly. And they attack your kidneys like they attack the rest of your body. And those people also have to be very vigilant in understanding that, you know, they should be checked for kidney disease early. You know, one thing I've witnessed in the community is that kidneys get, like, no attention. You know, they're not as glamorous as the hearts or something like that. You know, the hearts get all the attention. Are kidneys getting more attention now? Are people becoming more aware that the yeah, kidneys I mean, like really are the master's chemist? Valentine's Day, you always see the heart. You never see right. somebody hand somebody a mylar kidney balloon. I, I think we should start that, right? Well, we have World Kidney Day every March. We can just pass And so many kidneys. people celebrate that. Yes. World Kidney Day. Well, I, and that's what I was going to uh, bring up. There are efforts now, you know, in 2006, the renal community around the world, you know, said, you know, we do need a, an awareness program. We do need something to get this on folks' radar. Um, and, and they conceive World Kidney Day. Uh, and here in Los Angeles, so I guess in Los Angeles, we're in Palm Springs now, um, I've been a part of a group that uh, has uh, sponsored a community conference 
for World Kidney Day for the past two years, mm -hmm. where we've opened it up to all community members, uh, and we have what we call a knowledge exchange series between uh, patients, community members, and providers, where the doctors uh, actually give talks about early detection, epidemiology, and give the public information about kidney disease. But at the same time, we invite patients with kidney disease uh, and people with, who have family members of kidney disease to talk about their story so that we as providers and researchers can learn what's going on at the patient and community level to better serve them. Um, and that, that's one example of, of some of the things that are happening. And World Kidney Day is actually um, growing. Every mm -hmm. year I check the website and there's programs all around the country. We've had several programs in Los Angeles, including you know uh, the stuff that we've done and the things that you're, you're doing with Renal Support Network and NKF. And so hopefully, uh, eventually, kidney disease will be highly recognizable. Well, every year we instruct all of our patient advocates to go out and do proclamations. And uh, I've done proclamations before my city and go before city council and give your three little minute speech on, you know, the preventive signs of chronic kidney disease. And this last year, one of one of the women who worked for us had never spoken before anybody before. And she was asked to speak before city council. And, you know, she did it. You know, it's really amazing because you can reach a lot of people by, you know, taking these events every year and utilizing them to get the message out to your community. Yes. And yeah, she was very. It was very exciting to hear that she did to speak before the Los Angeles City Council. Well, actually, it was the Anaheim. Oh. Um, it's public television, so it's broadcast. And actually, it wasn't Anaheim; it was Disneyland. <laughs> it was yeah. She spoke before Mickey. <laughs> and, um, everybody can do something to tell a friend, a family member, and I often find out that people are like, oh, that can never happen to me. Oh, that's what I thought. That's what, you know, so how do you get over the hurdle of like, it can happen to me? And one of the things that is interesting is I think like all healthcare professionals should be screened because I think sometimes they well, don't... you can't catch kidney disease. Well, I know, but I oftentimes I go into a room and they say one in seven and it's probably not that rate in a room, but it, I bet you it's at least one in nine, one in 10 of healthcare professionals who have an illness and it makes it more real. Lori's really into odds because, you know, here in Palm Springs, there's casinos all around. <laughs> so she's always, you know, betting the odds and everything. Well, when we come back though, we're going to break for commercial. When you come back... We're going to find out what populations that most at risk, uh, besides people who are, you know, have a hereditary uh, reason. So when we come back, we're going to find out if one of your family members is at risk, Lori. Hello. Hey, Betty. Mary and I are going to lunch at that new Italian restaurant across from the mall. Dying to go to that place. I hear they got great salads. Then the three of us can do a little shopping across the street and just have a girls' day out. Mm, that sounds like fun. I can't wait. Meet us at 12.30 at Tuscany's. Ugh. Wait a second. Today's Thursday. I've got dialysis. <sighs> just go in early. Are you kidding? They are so strict about the times, and besides, they're all full all day. Maybe next time. I'll tell you about the restaurant and what Mary and I bought at the mall. Such a good friend. There's gotta be a better way. Instead of next time, how about next stage? What Betty doesn't know is there is a better way. The Next Stage System 1, the first truly portable home hemodialysis machine, can help you take back your life and set your own schedule for home hemodialysis treatments. After a short training period for you and a partner, you have your own portable dialysis machine right in your own home. All of your supplies are delivered to your doorstep. Taking back your life and setting your own schedule are just part of it. Doing dialysis at home also allows for more frequent dialysis, which better imitates the function of a normal kidney. Many patients doing more frequent dialysis report that they have more energy and feel better. Want to travel? 
With your doctor's prescription, NextStage can support travel anywhere in the continental U.S. The NextStage's machine is about the size of a 13-inch TV and has a sturdy travel case available, and all your supplies will be delivered to your destination. So schedule dialysis around your life instead of your life around dialysis. Ask your doctor if home hemodialysis with the NextStage System 1 is right for you. For more information, call NextStage at one 866 next stage or visit www.nextstage.com. Dr. Vargas, what groups are at risk more so than other groups? Well, you know, as we mentioned before, it's individuals with hypertension and diabetes that make up the majority of patients that have kidney disease. Um, in addition to that, people whose family members have it. Now, when we look at the complications associated with kidney disease, particularly the end-stage renal disease, which means that your kidneys have failed mm-hmm. and that the only way to live is actually to have dialysis or a transplant, we then begin to see disparities. Um, and we see that in black patients, for example, compared to white patients in the United States, are four times as likely to have end-stage renal disease. Why Um, is that? Well, it's multifactorial. And so part of this, and there have been studies that have really tried to parse this out, it's a combination of a higher likelihood of having hypertension, a higher likelihood of having diabetes. Right. But also... There's a a great deal of diabetes in the black community. But in addition to that, there's also disparities in care. They're less likely to get detected Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, There's a higher proportion of minority populations who don't have insurance. Um, And so all of these things come together to drive, you know, disparities in care. Um, And so, you know, it's really important not only to create awareness amongst groups that have risk that's elevated because of family history and and other diseases, but we as medical professionals and health policymakers have to be cognizant of the fact that there are groups that are suffering because they're not getting access Mm -hmm. to care um, and that they're in systems of care and they're not getting good quality care. Because they could know that they have high blood pressure, but they can't have access to even get the medication to control the blood pressure. Exactly. And, and so, also a poor community, they can't afford to eat right. So they're going to eat much more unhealthier foods. Yes. And that's one of the things that, you know, there's a considerable amount of research now that's showing that your neighborhood does affect your outcomes uh, in terms of people who have kidney disease, as well as the likelihood of developing kidney disease. You know, we know that, you know, if you uh, can control your diet, if you uh, actually exercise, if you don't smoke, all those things contribute to protecting your kidneys. However, if you live in a neighborhood that doesn't have access to good grocery stores, you have a lower chance of actually getting these healthy diets. Yeah, they I don't have a park to run around in, huh? They don't yes. have well, even I, an area and, to play basketball or and, something. Right. And these things matter. And right. so and part of this is definitely people coming uh, you know, to this disease with an increased risk because of their genetics and because of their comorbidities. But but there's also a role to be played for, you know, us 
treating these folks uh, more aggressively, uh, as well as trying to make sure that uh, people who live in neighborhoods that don't have the proper resources uh, get assistance in overcoming those barriers to healthy lifestyles. I was in South Central the other day driving around. I, for the life of me, I could not find a Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> I really couldn't. And it's, it's very true. There's, uh, there's considerable research that shows that uh, in specific neighborhoods uh, that tend to be poor and tend to have a disproportionate number of minorities, they have less grocery stores that offer full uh, variety of vegetables and fruits, right. and they tend to have a lot more convenience stores. Uh, and there's a right. study that actually uh, a colleague of mine and I uh, did that's going to get published this spring that looked in Los Angeles and looked at the likelihood of people with chronic diseases having worse outcomes um, and a, a worse quality of life if they live in neighborhoods with with uh, worse grocery store. I mean, worse access to supermarkets and more grocery stores. Well, so high, it's it's real. If you have high blood pressure, the last thing you want to do is eat a lot of salty food, and mm-hmm. that's pretty that's much. Where, yeah, it's, it's now, very salty. Now, didn't the city council or the mayor, didn't they ban future fast food restaurants in the poor neighborhoods, Ooh, I heard? That I don't know. I do understand that there's some legislation to right. curtail the growth and, to, schools, and curtail huh? the, you know, the new placement of, of these fast food restaurants in these communities. And I think that that may be helpful, but it's also important uh, to, to try to have a comprehensive approach. Right. Um, and that mean, that includes, you know, uh, awareness and education for patients. And I think that, you know, what we're seeing in situations like that is that the, the council members and the politicians are, are being responsive to some of the things that we're finding with the research and the community needs. So, uh, you know, it, it can help. And it's not only the black community either. I know that diabetes is much more rampant among the Hispanic population. Right. And so if we look at Hispanics uh, compared to non-Hispanics of all races, they're one and a half times more likely to have end-stage renal disease. Because um, of diabetes? Um, well, it's all causes. Oh, and really? so when we look at everybody whose kidneys fail in, the, in this country, you, you see that you know there are higher rates compared to whites for the minority populations. And Asians are at risk, too. Yes, and it's American about 1.3 Indians? for yeah, Asians I, and 2.0 for Native Americans. Yes, Native be, Americans, yes. yes. because I, I was asked to do like a mini-movie for Native American population mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest, and because they were just unaware of it. And then I was asked to do a mini-movie because... There is a superstition about organ donation among the Native American uh, community. Part of the education and awareness initiatives that we're trying to do is to not just get people to detect their disease earlier, but to, to get an understanding of the therapies, the benefits of therapies at every stage, whether it's prevention, whether it's taking medications once you have early kidney disease, or whether it's the best uh, renal replacement therapy. Uh, and we do know that transplant is associated with better outcomes compared to dialysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, you know, being able to be dialyzed still saves your life. Yeah. And so you know, these messages are really important because I think that when people only think of kidney disease as dialysis, it has a lot of negative connotations, and it discourages people from being detected early. Right. More people live with kidney disease <laughs> than are on dialysis. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that you know uh, we hope to get out there. And it's not to scare people that 13% of the population estimated has kidney disease, but to say, you know, there are a lot of people that have it, um, and, they're, and they're doing fine. And if, we f- if you find it early, we can delay your progression to the worst outcomes. We can protect your heart. You know, kidney disease before kidney failure is an independent risk factor for having a heart attack. And so if we can actually identify that you as someone with kidney disease, you know, treat you sooner and be more vigilant about protecting your heart, you know, we can save your life. Is CKD, is that 
reversible if you catch it in time? Reversibility, uh, well, when we talk about CKD, um, and so if we look at the National Kidney Foundation's guidelines and classification and diagnosis of kidney disease, they break it down into five stages. And what happens is that's based upon you know, whether or not you have what we call a decreased estimated GFR, which is a glomerular filtration rate, mm-hmm. which is the rate that your kidneys filter your blood, um, and as well as the amount of protein in your urine. They define it broadly as kidney damage, but it's basically an early sign of kidney damage if you have protein in the urine. And the combination of those two, if your kidney GFR, estimated GFR, is normal or functioning pretty well and you have protein in the urine, then you're in stage one or two. Once you get to a level where your estimated GFR starts to decline, let's say below 60 and then below 30 and below 15, then you're in stages three, four, and five respectively. However, for everybody, that number, that estimated GFR, fluctuates at mm-hmm. different times. And so it's important to actually repeat that measure, uh, you know, roughly about three months apart, to see where you're actually at. Um, and if we're very aggressive about treating you, there are people who can maintain status in that stage for a longer period of time, and there are people who can actually regress from a, from a, a higher stage to a lower stage. So they can, like, if they have high blood pressure and they start exercising, can they help reduce that number then? Right, and, and that's part of it, you know, especially especially the early signs, the protein in the urine. And that, you know, if we can catch that early, we know that if you change your diet, mm-hmm. you know, if you get your blood pressure under control, if you, you know, if you take a medication called an ACE inhibitor, mm-hmm. um, the studies show that we can actually, uh, you know, regress some of the protein and the early damage that we're seeing in your kidneys. Watch. I'm going to celebrate my 18th year of my third kidney transplant on Monday. All right. Congratulations. I'm, you know, very excited. It's going to be old enough to vote now, my kidney. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting because about four years ago, started to detect protein in my urine mm-hmm. and immediately my nephrologist started putting me my medication and it just took the protein right out right. and it was just that just that one little simple thing I got to remember to take the medication every day so I have to do my part but I think a lot of people don't realize that there's some simple solutions sometimes to help save your kidneys and, there, and there's two phases of that one is getting detected because you would have never felt the protein in your urine. Right. And so the fact that you were regularly participating in your care right. and that you had a doctor who knew to check it, and then that doctor, when he found something, did the right thing. There are a lot of different steps along these process where things can go wrong. And so getting people aware that right. they should actually seek medical care, that you know they should actually you know uh, get these tests done, and then to have a provider who's cognizant to actually do the test and make the right move, all of that is you know something that needs to happen very early on, just to have something as simple as your protein being reduced in your in, in your urine. What are the other symptoms other than high blood pressure and diabetes? I know a couple of them. Uh, but you a know, lot of them they, they say they don't feel symptoms until it's right. Too late. I know well, right. it's tired and, and, and fatigue, and, and it's cro- the chronicity of the illness. R- so it slowly happens. Right, and so you know, unfortunately, signs and symptoms means that it's gone to a stage that's pretty far off. Um, but, you know, if your legs are swelling, if you're fatigued, you know, if you are itching, in other words, your skin is itching, uh, you know, a heart failure, in other words, your heart's not pumping well because you can't get that fluid off and it's building up in your lungs and you get short of breath, you know, those are signs that the kidneys are starting to fail. And typically, we don't get symptoms until your kidneys start to fail. Right. Um, and so when we look across that spectrum of those stages, people who are in stage one and two, where you have a little bit of decline in your estimated GFR, where you have some protein in your urine, 
then you don't get many symptoms. Now, if you lose a lot of protein in your urine, your blood can't hold the fluid in its vessels and your legs start to swell up. So people who, when we say you have macroalbuminuria or macroproteinuria, you, your legs will start to swell. You'll get puffy around the eyes in, in some yes. cases. Yeah. Those are signs that you're losing a lot of protein, and they're associated with kidney disease. Yeah. We can call that Big Mac. Mac. <laughs> in, in some, in some I, uh, cases. I love the example of how somebody taught me about how protein hurts your kidneys because it goes through the kidneys and it, like, scars it because it's— This is where things get tricky. I know we had talked a little bit about water intake and things of that sort. Depending on your stage of kidney disease, uh, nutrition-wise, there are different things you should do. Medication-wise, there are different things you should do. So if you're in the early stages, you know, and you're eating a lot of protein, um, you know, and that protein starts to build up, it, you know, it can actually damage your body if you don't get the protein out mm-hmm. because your kidneys aren't filtering well. But people who are on dialysis right. begin to waste because they don't have enough protein to build up muscle mass. And so it's not a very straightforward, across-the-line uh, type of recommendation. And that's why it's very important to be tested. Mm-hmm. And then if you have kidney disease, know what your stage is. And to be in touch with your providers so that you can talk to nutritionists, you can talk to your providers, and you can avoid dietary changes, medications like over-the-counter stuff, Advil, Motrin, ibuprofen. They Mm -hmm. damage your kidneys. Mm -hmm. But many people don't know that. And so, you know, getting tested, knowing your stage, and then making sure that you know where you are in terms of, you know, what your water intake should be, what, what type of food you should be eating, and what type of medication to avoid is another reason to get tested early and often if you do have kidney disease. So those over the counter pain relievers, a lot of them cause kidney disease? Yes. And and what's unfortunate is that, you know, because it's not a prescription medication, there are many people who take them without the realization that it can hurt their kidneys and subsequently can damage their kidneys irreversibly if they don't curtail the use of those medications. So uh, the, the, there's a lot uh, to, to know. And is it true, along with Advil and Motrin and, and Aleve, it's Flintstone vitamins? Ooh, that one I don't know. <laughs> that one I don't know. I was I'd, told, you know... I might have to look that one. I heard Barney's okay, but Fred <laughs> really causes kidney disease. Well, it's so complicated because, you know, you talk about before you go on dialysis, you may not be able to eat a lot of protein. Then you go on dialysis, you need more protein, but you can't drink fluid. Then you get a transplant, you need to drink fluid. And, you know, the diet's so confusing. It changes all the time. It's hard for patients to keep up. But one of the good things is that the, the nutritionist community and our, and our uh, registered dietitians, they have studied this and they know how to counsel patients. You know, and so the issue is, is that you have to talk to them. Right. You have to get tested and you have to stay actively involved in your care. Um, and so it's, you know, it is very complicated, but we know a lot and we know enough to help protect people. But it's one of those things where you have to know your status and then you have to get invested in your care and then you have to follow through. Now, it's everybody's obligation to really encourage their family and friends to get tested. Because I know a lot of times you don't want to get tested yourself, but you can nag somebody else, right? Yeah, yeah. I can nag people, too. Well, yeah, get you, tested. you nag. So what's the proper way to nag? Yeah, how do we bring more awareness to the <laughs> CKD? To the the National Kidney Disease Education Program has a wonderful set of brochures. Mm-hmm. and uh, Oh, I love brochures. Well, some people don't, <laughs> but it's a good start. And if you go to their website, you can download many of them for free. 
they have uh, things like uh, discussing kidney disease at your family reunion, mm-hmm. and they have a whole booklet and a, a set of guidelines in terms of how to oh, incorporate that. Oh, that must be a real upper at the family reunion. <laughs> I, I know. I, right sometimes around, I think about it, right but around the salty but, ham. It, but it is important because of the hereditary association mm-hmm. of kidney disease. And so, if you have someone in your family who has kidney disease. Everyone else should be tested, and and that's that's important because you know as we try to emphasize, you know, once you have symptoms, that means that your kidneys are starting to fail, mm-hmm. um, or you have damage that you know is actually you know sometimes I should say sometimes not reversible, um, and so the best way you know to ensure that if you are at risk or you have kidney disease to get detected early, and you know people who have family members or if your if your mother or father has kidney disease, um, you're in that group of people that should be tested whether or not you have diabetes and hypertension. And just as important is to get screened for diabetes and hypertension. So if your neighbor has kidney disease, that doesn't affect you, right? Uh, it depends on <laughs> if you're sharing water or not. No, I don't see. <laughs> well, well this, this is great. Been, this is wonderful. Uh, it is. You know, we're starting a dialogue, and that's the most important thing to, to really impact change in the community, is to start talking about it. And we're talking about kidneys. And I know 10, 15, 20 years ago, nobody even knew what kidneys did. I mean, they don't understand that they are the master chemists. The master chemist. Yes. Well, one last question before we go. Um, is it true that when you make a reservation at a restaurant, do you get a better table because you're a doctor? That would be a no. That is no? <laughs> I, you know, I, I used to say that I was a doctor. I, I don't. <laughs> no. I always say that I was a doctor I, because I played one on television. So, I know you did. So I, I got a great table. They just charge me more for everything. Boy, that was more interesting than a corn fritter on a Sunday (laughs) evening. You know, chronic kidney disease is becoming an epidemic, or we're more aware of how many people it impacts. And it's really every patient and family member and healthcare professional's obligation to really educate the community. If they know about kidney disease, I guarantee you their neighborhood doesn't. I love what he's doing, too, doing the research. and Right, preventing it. Yeah, it's so hopeful, I mean, isn't I, it? It is, it is. And, and he's also involved with the political aspect, too, with the congressmen and the senators. And well, you have to impact public policy to get funding, and you need money from the National Institute of Health to do research so you can prove to people that you know preventing kidney disease is actually saves more money than treating it. And a lot of times, that you know, on, that makes so much sense. But you got to show him the proof. Unfortunately, you know, the one thing I wanted to tell him, he said, you know, he never tells people he's a doctor or anything. Mm-hmm. He, he should really, if he really wants to be incognito, he should really stop wearing the stethoscope. All the time. <laughs> we can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference.
Kidney Talk is sponsored by generous donations from Amgen, Abbott, Genzyme, American Regent, and Fresenius Medical Care. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.